Welcome to After Hours, an interview podcast series from Lady. I'm Laura McClaus-Helms, a fashion and cultural historian. Last month I had the wonderful opportunity to meet with the famous pop artist Mel Ramos at his home in Oakland, California. Now one of the last surviving members of the pop art movement, Ramos gained fame and notoriety in the mid-1960s for his paintings that combined commercial goods and idealized female nudes. Deriving his motifs from mass media and advertising, his paintings are instantly recognizable. I'm sure you've seen his work. A larger-than-life ketchup bottle with a saucy naked girl snuggling up to it, a koi corn-fed beauty emerging from a corn husk in front of the Kellogg's logo, a leggy blonde perched atop a giant pack of cigarettes. The son of Portuguese Azorian immigrants, Ramos was born in Sacramento, California in 1935. In high school, he made his first forays into art, illustrating posters for events at his high school. During a career day, Wayne Thiebaud came to speak to students about working in the graphic arts. Then a teacher at Sacramento City College, Thiebaud so impressed Ramos that he went on to study art at a local community college before getting his BA under Thiebaud's tutelage. Ramos's early work in the late 1950s owes a great depth to the abstract expressionists and the Bay Area figurative painters. Yet by the 1962, he began to slowly evolve his signature style. Taking from Thiebaud reverence for art history, expressive brushwork, and the use of common objects as subjects, Ramos began a series of large-scale figurative works of superheroes. Alongside Andy Warhol and Roy Lichtenstein, he was one of the first artists to use comic book illustrations in his work. He found fame exhibiting alongside his contemporaries and friends. Warhol, Lichtenstein, Rosenquist, Weaselman, Robert Indiana. A series of female comic book characters followed, and over the next two years, these powerful Amazonian women slowly morphed into vivacious nude girls who he placed in somewhat absurd compositions next to wild animals, fruit, candy bars. Playing with the idea that sex is used to sell anything and everything in advertising, Ramos called these commercial pinups. Photorealist before the term existed, his flawless technique made these women appear larger and more real than life, something that upset many feminists who found his art crass and sexist. This assessment, in my opinion, negates the humor and insight found in his mashups. For all their perverseness, there's a very strong message about the American psyche. For these are really American paintings. The girls look like the ultimate California dream girls of the movie screen, and the products are those found in every store across the country. Unlike his contemporaries, Ramos chose not to move to New York to focus on his art career. He was married with children, so he stayed in Northern California, taking teaching jobs instead of chasing fame and fortune. He was a professor of art at California State University at Hayward for 33 years, until he retired in 1997. He continued painting and exhibiting throughout his teaching years, creating new bodies of work that included reworkings of famous paintings in art history, enigmatic sparse landscapes, and paintings that depicted drawing lesson in mid-class with a nude model and sketched canvas. In the early 1990s, he began revisiting his early commercial pinups, which remained his focus since his retirement. Now 82, Ramos continues to paint every day, though a few months before we met, he had a bad accident that has slowed his pace. His studio was a delight, high ceilings and lots of light, candy wrappers artfully arranged, posters and examples of his paintings everywhere. In this discussion, we covered all aspects of his life and career, from his Portuguese immigrant background to his discovery of art, his creative process, and his relationship with his wife. Due to his age, Ramos sometimes stumbled on his words, but I think his meaning should be clear. Also, he jumped very quickly from subject to subject, sometimes returning much later to an unfinished thought from earlier. I've tried in the editing to make it as clear as possible. I just want to apologize in advance for any unclear sound or jarring edits. As someone who has long admired his paintings, both for their technical virtuosity as well as the vital, healthy beauty of the women he portrays, it was an honor to speak with him, and especially so to find him such a lovely man who has always put his family first. As I often speak of, these interviews are about how people mold the lives that they desire, and Ramos has created one where he's surrounded by what matters to him most, family and art. His daughter is a studio manager, and he still dotes on his wife of 63 years. Stricken with dementia, Lita makes a quick visit towards the end of the interview, and provides her own memories of being his favorite model. In light of the controversy his paintings have sometimes provoked, it was a scene that lit up my heart. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Please head to our website to see paintings from throughout his career, amazing photos from his life, and a short article. Enjoy. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Yes. I'm a historian by training, and uh-huh. just going around and interviewing people that 
intrigue me, whose work I find interesting, and talking to people about their lives and what decisions they took in their lives. It's never what you think it's going to go, right? It's never <laughs> like you make one decision and that's where you are for the rest of your life, right? I think it's important to hear those kind of stories, the fact that life is, goes at all. Well, my life drastically changed about uh, three weeks ago, maybe four. I was working right there mm-hmm. at that camp, at the upper, upper table, and that somehow something slipped, and I went bang down to the floor. And it hit right on here, and it broke a bone. Oh. It's just now having, re- returning, returning. It's not so bad, but it's, it was really bad. So I, I, everything I do stopped. Mm-hmm. I, didn't work, I couldn't work for three, three, uh, three months. But apparently all my friends came to the rescue and brought different salves and crepe creams. And so I started working on this painting, which I still should have started the 1st of June. And uh, it's a commission. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's on its way back now. But I had a hard time with it to begin with. I was afraid that the person who had it would not be, not 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 on it back. But fortunately, there was a friend of mine from Palm Springs, and uh, they said, "No, no, we're right." So I'm very lucky. I mean, it's amazing that you're you know still getting so many commissions and still so busy. Yeah, unable. It's amazing. I, I, I get them mainly, for, I, I have the dealers up the Kazoo, I have a dealer in, in uh, Paris. Uh, we're gonna, I'll be, from them I'm going to be working a sculpture about that uh, doll, uh, banana, a Chiquita banana mm-hmm. it is. And uh, Ernst Hilger of Austria, he's putting on an exhibition. Thomas Levy in Han, Hamburg, mm-hmm. same thing, exhibition in Hamburg. And then I have a whole list of galleries people who want to get my work so they can show it. But I'm doing them all because I have these friends who uh, are using my name to do a, to do a show. Hmm. So this is, I'm going to do this for a while, but no more after, after a certain time. Yeah. We're, we're leaving for, for Spain next Monday. You go to Spain every year? Yeah, right? we go every year. I hope so. I hope so. I, my, my injury may uh, cause problems. So, otherwise, uh, we're doing a, an exhibition. It's a show of 14 Port- Portuguese American artists. It all started with a young fellow named Gabriel Nadar. And Gabriel Nadar was a student of mine, Cal State Hayward. And then he became a real close friend of mine. He's a terrific young painter. He paints one painting a day, mainly focused around the life of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. All these are portraits of Donald Trump. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing a good job. But before that, I got a call one day a couple of years ago, and one of these guys said, uh, can, we have, can we have dinner with you in San Francisco? Uh, because the Portuguese consulate is, is in town, mm-hmm. and he wants to meet me. And uh, I said, sure. So we went to San Francisco with this, this young this guy, Juan Juan de Brit is his name. And he's a hustler. He's running around organizing stuff for us. I mean, he's really good at it. And uh, turns out that uh, this uh, Portuguese heritage thing so started permeating my life. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young artist from Sacramento. That's what I do. And as the, as the years go by, we're, as an older uh, painting from Fort, well, excuse me, I'm a little bit, what do you call it? Dementia, dementia. I just turned 82. I will this month. So I try not to let me bother it, and I try to pay attention to it. To me, the meal was great at the, mm-hmm. at the consulate. We had a nice talk, and Joan de Brie wanted to publish a book about four artists who live in San Francisco, so-called prominent artists. One is a, um, besides myself, Joanna is, is a, a painter, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, two other artists who are, uh, one, of, one of them is a graphic designer from San Francisco, and the, four, the fourth one is Nathan Oliveira, who has mm-hmm. passed. But I have a huge painting of his upstairs in the living room, and we traded, Nathan and I. So he, he comes over with magic potions, well, he does, 
and figure to put stuff on my hands and so it doesn't hurt so much on behalf of that. So this guy sort of permeated my life and I never, 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 never expected that to happen. But he's a really good guy and uh, we're, we're good friends. So he was here yesterday giving me a little bottle of some kind of magic potion to stop the pain from hurting on my hip. So your, did your parents come over from Portugal or did they, where, when? No, they were here. Okay, and yeah. your grand your grandparents were. My father was in the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. My mother worked for the for for the uh, army for the U.S. Army, army mm-hmm. to drove a troop during the war. Uh, but they were all from they were born in California, second generation. So did you when you grew up were you very aware of your Portuguese heritage or not? I mean, as far as one could be, mm-hmm. I used to go every year to the Portuguese festivities. I, for, for two years in a row, I got to march down the street on it with a Portuguese big flag. Mm-hmm. Then there was a band playing, they go from the church down through town, and then they wind up at the, the, the place where they have the festivities. Mm-hmm. And everybody's there for it. They like to have a, a special preparation of meat. Mm-hmm. and sauce together, and potatoes. And all these people, they get together, cute people, they get together and they eat this stuff, and they dance all night. So that's when I really came to know that I'm Portuguese. What, was there a large Portuguese community in Sacramento? Yes, big what, one. What was your childhood like in Sacramento? Well, I mean, I grew up there. Mm-hmm. I went to grammar school there. I liked to draw. So in my senior year in Hikipaklachi High School, mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne Tebow came to a, a class called Career Day, and he spoke about working in the commercial art field. Kids, the kids would go up, to go see some well-known artist or whatever. And he came in, and he he was he had this yellow, no, this orange corduroy pants and some other outrageous kind of piece of clothing. And he made me, he made me really get, become impressed about this. This guy was, he's absolutely a true and true and true and true good artist. So if anybody who can track like that and get away with it, nays my, nays my, my sympathy. So uh, because of that, I enrolled in Sacramento uh, Junior College, which was just down the road from Sacramento, from Sacramento State. And I spent a year in uh, that, that place. I, I was living in the same place. I spent a year there, and that's where I met a lot of good, good people. One of them was uh, well, Wayne, for one. And I'll never forget it, on Wayne, on his first test, I took a, a, a class on him, on his first test, they asked everybody to spell Satan. And I was one of three people that did it, that did it right. All the rest of them didn't put that, they, that little N on, on, over the E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But Ryan has been, uh, I just saw him the other day. His wife died, his son died. He's, he's 93 years old. I was about to ask him, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he paints every day. And uh, he just donated a huge collection of paintings to his new uh, museum in California. You know, it's California Davis. Mm. Uh, he, he, he donated pictures of that because he taught at Davis for a long time. He, he did his thing and I did my thing. My thing has been working at Cal State Hayward. I started work there for 20, 21 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that I've been participating in little small exhibitions and things that relate to the art department there. And uh, that's, the, you know, that's okay. Beginning the whole new young crew. I, when, I, when I left the museum, there was one young crew of people who were, you know, they were all old and wickety and they were, I don't think that there were anybody over 65 years old when they left. And it was time for me to go also, so I, I, I left. And I've been down here ever since. Did you, had you thought about going into the arts before you met Wayne, before he came to school? Had you the thought day that I met Wayne, the day that I met Wayne in, the, in a, a career day, I took one look at him and said, oh, i got to paint that guy. <laughs> and I sort of, and I read and enrolled in his class at California Junior College mm-hmm. after that. And your early work was, I think, I, I read quite informed by the abstract expressionist, right? Uh-huh. And how did you come to evolve what you've become known for, you know, your own personal well, first style? First of all, my, 
references sort of, I, I sort of start doing funky figurative paintings like Richard Diebenkorn mm -hmm. and Nathan Oliveira and all these pseudo uh, painters of figures, but abstract figures. Elmer Bischoff, uh, Richard Diebenkorn, all these guys, they're all figure painters. Mm -hmm. And I realized that uh, I'm not going to get anywhere with painting paintings of these these characters. I did about I did about twenty or thirty of them in my career. I said I got I can't do this stuff anymore. So I'm going to go uh, just concentrate on figurative painting. And that's what I did. I decided I was going to make a, the painting that you have in the book mm -hmm. there. Abstract expressionist with the generation before me, mm -hmm. and I sort of did to my delight, figure painters. And as the time went on, by that I mean, it's approximately two years, I started doing, I started these paintings of mine, started getting more and more and more conservative, ritual. And I decided again, once and once again, that these things were done by look just like Nathan and David Corn and all these guys, Walter Bischoff, that I'm going to do something else. So I decided I wanted to do figure painters, but with costumes. These costumes were painters, paintings of painting, painters when I was a young kid. And I, when I did my first one, that one up there, Superman, mm -hmm. followed by Wonder Woman on the left of that, that was ecstatic. And I uh, did the first one, and uh, I decided, uh, I, I, by the way, I met, and this time I met Roy Lichtenstein. We were going back and forth those days with Leo, and Roy was a friend, a friend of mine. We stayed at his house, his loft, usually when we went, when we went. You know, we had tennis, tennis with him in the night, in the evening, and they do their things. I do my things. I do my kind of, I stay about a week, come back, and Ivan Karp, who was, was running Leo Castelli Gallery at the time, when I sent him a painting of Superman, he said, "Oh God." Terrific, but don't write them. Don't write the the, uh, the price on the back, because we 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 sold we sold one and it was like eight hundred bucks, and the guy who bought it once in a while it's only twelve twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> so they were all pissed off at me, and uh, it it went on like that for six months, and uh, once I started going to parties with Jim Rosencrantz, Roy Stein, Andy Warhol. Uh, Robert uh, McNamara, uh, the guy who does the love sign. Indiana. Indiana. Tom Wasserman became a good friend of mine. I, I sort of teamed up with Roy, who was gay. He's, he's not gay, but he's, he, he's not, you know, one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Andy Warhol was gay. And a lot of, a lot of those, markers, those, those artists were, were gay. And we, I didn't particularly want to be associated with those guys because they were always hitting on me. I was really very happy in, uh, happy, happy in those days. I had short hair, and uh, we got invited to a lot of parties. Went to one party where Andy Warhol was there with some people, or Andy was sitting next to me, and we were talking about this and that. He put his hand on my leg, and I said, uh-oh, <laughs> no touch, no toka. Two more years later, he died. Hmm. Roy died. John Rosenquist died. Tom Russellman died. I'm with the, as you call, the end of the, of the of that series, of that director. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not, no more of my pals. But they left a great legacy. Yeah. Did you feel that you were part of the pop art movement in terms Absolutely. of your work? There was a painting called uh, Six Painters and the Object. Mm -hmm. That was held at the Guggenheim Museum. And that was Roy Lichtenstein, the Joe, and all the six guys that were, uh, were so popular, this guy, this, that they were to move, it to, move the show to, to L.A., which they did, and to my, to my uh, happiness. The, the banner, which is 40 feet high, pasted on the front of the building, the art building. They used my, my work for, for that. So everybody, everybody in New South saw it for six weeks. Huge painting. Superman. Amazing. <laughs> I, I got the right, I hit it right at the right time, but nevertheless, you know, life goes on, and mm -hmm. I, I had to continue to work, and I realized that 
this, this iconic book paintings. Uh, they were sort of exhausted and I wanted to do something else, so I started doing uh, figurative paintings, but keyholes. I thought that was an interesting subject. Black and white, so keyhole, with various artists' work. And that went along, that went a, a, a sort of a short race, this, this keyhole. I started to think about other kinds of things that involved the figure. The figure at that time didn't bother, well, didn't get my eye earlier, but it finally, it finally came to me and I had to realize that it was real hard for me. I really had to go stay with it and look at it and see what, see what it is and, you know, and examine it and all that. So, I, so I, I started doing that and they were things based on the history, art, art history. Mm -hmm. I don't deny that one bit. I did paintings based on art, his, art history. I put my stamp on, but nevertheless, the rest of it is my, is my doing. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it just went like a rocket. And uh, it's been doing that ever since. And then I decided I wanted to do some landscapes, only they, everything happened on the edges. It comes, it starts at the top and comes in. Mm -hmm. And this, the same way. Yeah, the same way. Mm -hmm. It's just this preoccupation with Morris Lewis. You know Morris mm -hmm. Lewis? This was his Morris Lewis convention here. He, he invented this, this called uh, some San Francisco, I think. I am not afraid of stealing work. There's the cooning that I stole. I see Angren Velasquez and all kinds of... All those guys. Yeah. A lot of people nail me for being a one-sider. One, one, one yeah. And that I just sort of make, make faces and that's it. But it's not true. There's a huge variety of things in here. There's a lot of variety in here. I really enjoy doing paintings that have half color, half black and white. Mm -hmm. Since pretty much the mid-60s, it's always been nudes. And has, have you ever gotten tired of doing the nudes in different forms, or has it just been? No. Within that line of the work, mm -hmm. it's mainly then the people who are close to that kind of work. Well, I mean, Warhol does every person in the world. Yeah. And, and Roy does this cartoon in the world, so forth. And uh, I was just sort of hanging on. And then I, had, I was born in time and I was living in Tampic, in Oakland. And uh, that, you know, that, if I had worked in New York, I said, right, Roy keeps telling me that it would have been much better for you. Because that's where the, that's where the center of the art world was at that time, in mm -hmm. the 60s. And I don't, you know, doubt, I don't doubt that, but uh, I had a family and I liked New York, I liked California. So it didn't bother me. I stayed here and, and uh, made uh, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like the women in your paintings seem like archetypal California girls, like mm -hmm. very... Do you feel like your art is about California? No? no I did it, I did it thinking, Judy Chicago and her friends. Uh, all hated me. And when, when that happened, people started noticing my work. Why, why is he doing that? The thing is, if I did a, if I did a keyhole, the figure behind it in, in the hole of the keyhole, mm -hmm. it was, you know, a famous person. I have a rule about not giving postcards to people who write, you know, for, for, for autographs. Because mm -hmm. I get them every, every day. And there's some people who send, send their buck, one dollar, mm. a postcard, ask me to send it back. Mm -hmm. to wherever they came from. Many, many of them came from, from England, or from Europe, especially Germany. And when they violate my, my rule, some guy's patients ask for six reproductions, thank you, with no money, no postage. So my daughter has a container up there that she takes these unwritten postcards and sends her, send them all in that nasty little nap, a nasty nap. And it's, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't hurt. They, just, they still keep sending the goddamn postcards. So, what are you going to do? It's my fans. It's kind of like, uh, what's his name, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He got a lot of fans. He's going to change the world. Oh boy, it scares the hell out of me. Has any of your work ever been politically motivated? My, mine was politically motivated in the, in, in the case of Andy Warhol. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Jim Rosenquist. 
Because these guys have all, have, all have their own uh, oof, as you said. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it's a few, yeah, but it's very mild with those guys. Yeah. I was probably the most controversial figure among the six. I, I think I started to tell you that there was the show at the, in, uh, the Guggenheim Museum in New York for mm-hmm. six objects and six panels on the object. And that was a very successful show. The next one, it was sent to LA for six more, but it was called Six More on mm-hmm. uh, the object. And in that one, there was Thibault, Joe Good, Andy Warhol, myself, myself uh, a couple of, couple of others. There. But that's the way they were going. It's different. It goes one way, one at one time, and oh, oh, what's her name that I mentioned? The uh, woman, woman Judy Chicago? Judy Chicago. She hates me. There was a show at the Los Angeles, uh, the California, no, the San Francisco Museum. And uh, Henry Hopkins was a manager director in those days. Mm-hmm. And he puts a, 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 a big stand, it's a stand for oh, holding a, a regular painting, to hang a regular painting. Okay. And you walk into the room, it's, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Or it goes out that door or that door. And Johnny Chicago came to LA, I said, he came to San Francisco one day and saw it. And Henry, and Henry Hopkins was, she was screaming bloody murder about, against Hop, I mean, against Henry Hopkins. How, how can you possibly, wait? how are you doing that to us? Talking about me. Mm-hmm. But I got a guy also in San Francisco who owns nine paintings of mine. So I'm not, I don't care about that. So you never cared about the feminist response or, the, or a critical response to it? It's all gone. That died out a long time yeah. ago. And I'm thankful to Robert Mapplethorpe, Alamut Newton. These guys made my career more silent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't get bothered anymore. They were really, those, those, the, the work that they did is really hard to eat, hard to grasp. grasp. It's just so erotic. But uh, they, they that left me in the cold. and I, I was considered very mild in those days mm-hmm. when, I, when, I first, when they first came around. <laughs> Lucky me. And so when you started developing the, the series that you're still sort of doing, that combines the women with the sort of consumer goods, was that a response to advertising, or how did that sort of develop? Yeah. It, was, it had a lot to do with advertising. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was basically the, the product that uh, motivated the work. I, if, if I don't mind saying that, I don't mind that the work was... The figures were really beautifully done. Uh, not so much now, because I'm not quite sure why, but I think I do. I'm 80, 82. Yeah. Get a little, little, you know, we get a, we get a, a little rip, ripple there. Mm-hmm. And I get nervous about that, but the way I don't, that's where it goes. Uh, I, did I show you my book, my big book? Um, no, we haven't looked at it. Okay, I'll get one for you. It pretty much took goes what my work is like. Uh, I'm happy to say that from 1962 to 19, uh, 19, whatever, the work was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then it stopped. Couldn't, I couldn't get my mojo back. And uh, now I'm Working very carefully. How Did you ever work from life, or was it always from f- images? Uh, I, I, it's from life, but it's from in, in a, in, intermediate by photograph. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see I see a model. They see very very often. They see me. I mean, like what's her name? Uh, the blonde, uh, really. Pamela Anderson. That one. Oh. Yeah, I've seen your paintings. She wanted of her. me to do it. And a couple of other p- girls wanted me to paint their picture. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it, you know, I, I made it out of respect. I wasn't crazy about it, but it was, I needed, I needed the money. I don't ordinarily mean to do that, but in this case, it was, it was interesting. She came rolling up on the front of my house in a black limousine. She came down to the studio. She disrobed. I had come in, the, that blue roll of paper came down in front, made a big backdrop. Uh, she was standing over there behind that, buck naked. Not quite that way. But she comes, uh, takes her clothes off and 
had a robe on, and she had on a, a robe, I uh, can't remember what it was, but I said, uh, which way, how do you want me to paint? How, how do you want to paint me? With, with a swimsuit or with a, and I said, no, 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 no swimsuit. So I took out a swimsuit and threw it in there, buck naked, came out, stood over there, and ran off about 400 poses for me. I did two of them. They're, they're okay. Yeah, they're, I've seen them, they look good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the rest of your paintings were all also photographs that you would then? come here, I photograph them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if I find them in the magazine. The mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of great, great forces and faces in that area. And then there's just some people that I know, and they just come over and I photograph them. And your wife is also a model for you? Well, she was my professional model of mine for 35 years. She started out 20, 20 something. She was great, great model. Did she enjoy it? She did, yeah. Uh, when, how did you guys meet first? Uh, in Lake Tahoe. That's a, that's a venue that I never really thought of before. You're the first one that made it, made it brought back, back to my, my memory. But I was, uh, it was a high school year. Mm-hmm. All of our guys, kids, went to the beach in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys was Gene Cronin, who uh, got drafted by the some professional football team. And uh, we were all together, they got together there. And finally, uh, I felt this shadow come over me. I was lying on the beach like this, sleeping because it was so goddamn, you know, hot that day. And I'm laying there like that. And uh, I woke up and he said, Lita was standing right next to him, my wife. Mm He said to me, I want you to meet Nita. I'm going to take her off. I'm going to date her for two, two dice. He was my best buddy at that time. And I said, no, you're not. I'm going to have her for one night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I met her. And you've been married how many years now? 63. Oh, wow. That's incredible. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I think so, too. It's It's... It's so rare to, you know, hear that. Oh, tell me about it. I have a cacophony of friends of mine who, who never made it uh, by, through the divorce. What's his name? Gene Cronin. Mm-hmm. Took a job for, the, for some professional baseball team. Good player. Uh, but he also was my best man. And uh, that's, he's still living. living. He, wouldn't, he wanted to, he was going to marry the maid of the, the, the maid of Sacramento. And she didn't, she just, she threw him, threw him aside, didn't like him. Mm-hmm. But during their recent, well, during their recent uh, uh, marriage, just ten, 10 years ago, they, they got married together. How did your, when you started doing the, the nudes, how did your wife respond to those? There was, sometimes there was a girl that didn't, Suit her taste, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I had to make reasons for that. I, I had to do that, but more often than not, she, she took it. She took it with well and well, well and tried. Mm-hmm. You know, your work looks often with they look quite sort of precursors to photorealism. Did you feel like there was like a sort of photorealistic touch? To I, them? I get reproduced in a lot of photorealism books. Mm-hmm. But it's, na- it's mainly focuses on the, nu- the nudity that I think that I do. Yeah. And I don't paint cars like most of those little bit with storefronts. You know, you can yeah, almost... like the metal. Or yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Like even just like looking at the one on the poster over there, the hippopotamus and the girl, it definitely has a certain element of photorealism to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, except the root, the root, uh, the animal. Yeah. But that. Did, it did what it was supposed to do. It was so, it was so outrageous that it was accepted. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, um, some people made outrageous animals 
and they didn't like them. But that was for because they didn't like the composition, or they didn't like the color, or they didn't like the face, or whatever. So I, I couldn't help that. Either you like it or you don't. Yeah. I only go so far with the work. So you said that was your first etching, right? First etching. And then, and other than painting, what other media have you experimented? Sculpture. Mm -hmm. I got a big banana, mm -hmm. reclining banana in the living room. Uh, I'm going to get another chiquita banana about that much high, that high. And did you actually sculpt them, or did you have someone do it to your specialty? I have somebody do it. Mm -hmm. We go to Paris every summer. Yeah, we go every summer and to talk to Eric Desan Schaffer. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that makes the maquettes from the uh, plasticine, the mm -hmm. punk of clay. And he does, he does the, the maquettes the, for the, what's it called? Paris, the Paris uh, you know, Wax Museum. Okay. This year we're doing an unbelievably soft big one. It's from here to that, to that beam up there. That's like 15 feet. It's sitting now in a, um, in a warehouse in Paris. The uh, dealer took us there one last time we were in Paris. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable thing. Because it's black marble to a certain point, and then it's brown marble the rest of the way. Mm. But the figure is one color, and the banana is another color. Oh, wow. And it was made for some, somebody's plaza. Not, it's not made for a, for a, uh, you know, a museum, it could be, but an outdoor, you know, something to do outdoors, or mm -hmm. it could be, but it's going to be expensive. Okay. I didn't touch it. I, I mean, I touched the maquette. And then there was, Eric Sanchoffi did the mold, mm -hmm. uh, the maquette. Guy, another guy did the painting of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the third guy did uh, fix it so it's a certain way it doesn't get broke. It's a box for it. And he just said he sold the last one of the Pachitas, and I think I want it for my living room. Right now I got a pooky little New Guinea, New Guinea sculpture in there. She's shedding feathers on the floor. <laughs> uh, we're going to put it in there. How long have you been in this house studio? Nineteen seven sixty. Nineteen sixties, more or less. So, that's so right when you moved from Sacramento to Oakland, you moved here. No, uh, I was in Sacramento for sixty until sixteen to thirty-two, okay. and uh, and then I got this job in Hayward. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I mean, I was just if I. To do that, I wouldn't be making any money. So I made some money, and uh, it, was a, it was a nice salary, the typical salary for that high school. And uh, then I heard somebody whisper something. They said, Mal's uh, got this incredible painting. So I went over to the university art gallery, and we went over one day and looked at it, and we'll take it. And that's when I signed uh, the, uh, a uh, contract with Galstead Hayward. Mm -hmm. I did that, did that for 40, 40 years. Did you enjoy teaching? I, I enjoyed teaching until the, young, the girls who take my classes bored the hell out of me. Here they are, I'm 50-something 50, 50 and they're 30-something. And we just didn't connect. And most of them were... Uh, they were anti-American, and one of them was Iranian. And the Iranian students were very hostile. It kind of just killed, just killed my enthusiasm. And I had a studio mm -hmm. uh, in Hayward. We rented a little tech truck house near the university. Mm -hmm. Five-minute five, five drive. Got a room in the apartment. I taught painting art, painting and drawing art. Then the time for quitting, changing. I took my roll and flow, flow the coop. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make any morning, I couldn't make any morning teaching, so I gotta give it up. And that's what I did, I took a pension. Mm -hmm. I got to build my studio that I want. I got outside here, a big space. After 35 years, mm -hmm. I'm finally gonna do a pool for 
for myself. That'll be nice. That'll be spilling water. But we'll see. How long does it take for you to do, or has it, you know, in the past, has it taken you to do a painting? Took uh, one month. One month? To do this painting. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't work. Yeah. Um, that image was set in the computer. This little, this yeah. little machine over here. Unbelievable miracle maker. Mm. I just couldn't do it. I just stayed home and nursed myself. Yeah. And that was in uh, May. Mm -hmm. And now it's April. April? It's June now. June. I did it for one month, May to June. In the 80s or 70s, how long, how would you approach a painting? How long would it take you to do? And Yeah, it, it, that was no big deal. I mean, I would pour through magazines. Mm -hmm. I was a big, big fan of comic books. Yeah, growing up, had uh, yeah, you read I them big, all? Yeah, I, I collected them. Mm -hmm. Lita came down here. Her name is Lita, Lita, no mm -hmm. She came down here and she said, are you gonna, uh, how, many, well, how many are you going to do? I said, I'm probably going to do a dozen. She says, well, I hope you're going to make six, six each. Six girls and six, oh. six, six images. Mm. She wanted me to do six images. How much has working with the computer changed you? Has, have you uh, working with the computer? No, no. I mean, just doing like something like that, where you're just taking a photo and adding the text in the yeah. computer? Yeah. Do no, I do I mean, a lot of things I do just without, without the computer. Yeah. Uh, this is, for example, I got a commission from this Andreas Brinkman. Mm -hmm. uh, I made to do a special concerto from him. So he said, I want the girl to be this girl. Pose. I want this girl to have the color of the background. Mm -hmm. I want the color of the background girl with a face, because I don't like her face. But I do like this face, it's a German model. So that's how we did it. First that, then that, then that, then that. Mm -hmm. Have you found that you've had more success in, or equal success in certain city, you know, certain countries, or? Yes. Germany. Germany? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Germany. Why do you think they respond to your work so much? I have no idea. I read that you had started, you had done posters for your school when you were in high school, right? Uh, yeah, I do. It's really funny. Do you think it's kind of funny that you, be, you started sort of as a graphic artist in high school and then you became a fine artist, but now your artworks... I didn't become a, high school, a graphic artist until I was in Skent, high school. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then... These are fine art, yeah. and now they're on posters everywhere. It all, yeah. you know, you went back to the beginning. With this one, I had copyright problems with the owner of the company. Before it said, comfort print, comfort cream. How much trouble have you gotten into over the years with any of the companies? Just a couple. Just a couple? Yeah. I had one from Coca-Cola company, which was really a riot because I was in, New I was in my studio, and uh, somebody called me, called me in my studio and said, we got problems. So he told me what it was. He said that Coca-Cola have been blitzing, they're gonna blitz you. They, they want the compensation. And so I sent them one of these paintings and uh, a, a letter explaining that this image was given to me, was given present to me. And it's, and it's way, way more expensive than you have, than you have. I sent that to back, back to them. I never heard from them again. They finally realized that, uh, you know, like this one, mm -hmm. this was it. They finally realized that, uh, get off your horse, get real. You want to cause problems? Go see Nell and Helmut Newton. Is there anything in your life that you're most proud of? Gee, I know it sounds corny, corny but it's my family. It seems like you must be very close. Your daughter works for you. My wife is beginning to have a little bit of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, Rochelle is brilliant. I mean, really smart. Mm -hmm. And her brother lives in Los Angeles, who comes to the rescue every time I need something done to my house. Uh, but he's got three girls living in Burbank. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rochelle has twins, boy and a girl, 
my son shot as tra as uh, trans, not trans, but three three people who are should be trans. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm I'm very fortunate to be to have to have that people. I just got, I mean, the last ten years. My friends have been dying or dropping fat everywhere. Do you know Clayton Bailey? He was a ceramic artist at uh, in Hayward. He got a stroke last two weeks ago. Oh. That's bad news. He's back in the hospital today. Hmm. He was in and out. Uh, Ken Gilo, who was our uh, Japanese pot maker <laughs> in Hayward, he's gone. We have a poker part poker party with four of us every once a year. It rotates. Alan Shep, who was a sculpture mm -hmm. teacher, myself, and the wives of the two people who are descendant. But the game goes on. Well, wonderful to have such nice friends. Mm -hmm. That's why they're very close to us. I've been so fortunate. You know, I get people pissed off, especially people who are, who are Christians. And I, you know, my response to that, I mean, I. I I got taught a long time ago that I'm going to be nice to these people because there's no point, no point to learn to change their mind. It hasn't worked, but nevertheless, I've been gracious to them, and I feel fine about that. I really re regard your your ideas on this stuff mm -hmm. because you have you hit all of my high pot of my life. You hit them most of them. That's good. <laughs> I got best one. I gave up law. I gave up pot. You gave up pot? Pot. Cannabis. When did you give it up? When it became, when it became legal. Le oh, okay. Legal. Was that... It uh, didn't taste as good when it was legal. Did you always smoke it? No, not since I was uh, 15. Hmm. Not much. We, we, you know, we, we were all screwy adults and uh, we played, uh, we always played poker together and we did this, that, that kind of stuff. Clayton Bailey, uh, the guy who got the stroke last month. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he was a holder of all the important stuff, but I, he always brings it to the poker party. But I, I didn't do much. When you went to New York or when you saw all the other artists, the other pop artists and everybody, did you like party? Did you go to the nightclubs and everything like that or no? Crazy Ursula. Maybe I used to listen to I used to go dancing in Beverly Hills mm -hmm. at the, the Crazy Horse Salon. It sounds like a fun place. Yeah, it was great. I'm Lisa Ramos, and where are you from? Uh, New York. New York, New York, we love New York, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about all of his pa beautiful paintings of you. Mm -hmm. Well, I was scared to death. Mm -hmm. My mother said, well, if you don't do it, he'll just find somebody else. <laughs> my mother, 100% Irish and full of fun, and I loved her. She says, and they, my parents loved Mel very much, just to meet him, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, wait, are you married? No. No, well, you'll know. My my mother said, are you going to get married? And I said, well, I meet the right person. And he was there coming down some stairs, and I looked at him and said, and I was engaged to the big football star, but he wasn't the one for me. Gene Cronin. No, he was Dave Thomas. Player. Gene Cronin was one of my best friends. Uh, he copied my him. papers in the test. He <laughs> says, oh, Lisa, let me, let me copy your, I didn't study for that test. Could you please let me see? And I said, certainly. Uh, <laughs> Just a minute. Go before she gets you. She's going to kill you later. You look nice, sweetie. Thank you. Do you have a favorite of anything? A favorite? Oh, there's too many. Too many. I, I really think with all of you. From those drawings, for drawing sake, for lithograph, for etchings, which I just did. Yeah. I haven't done an etching before. And we do the Superman and Batman couple up there. And uh, they, they made it to a special process. It's, it's three-dimensional, special but Manoia edition. Great, great place. She keeps trying to get me to do more, but the ones we got with the, the, the if I gave him more, my dealers and hamburger and to go through the roof. You can't do that to him. In Germany, he has the rights. Australia, he has the rights. He goes through a lot of money and spends a lot of money for me. You know, he makes these light boxes, for example. Mm -hmm. You may have seen them. There's four guys standing in a row. And what else? Patrice Trigano in my Paris. Every year we go and he 
pile in a rented car and drive to this place out on the other side of town. Sure with the Eric, but he did. Came back to town, he always pays for this incredible Parisian, great, great lunch food. And then the last night we stand, we spend there, we do with him and his wife, and maybe go dancing or whatever. I've always been a fan of your work. Oh, thank you. So eye-catching. Always have beautiful women. They always look happy hey. and gorgeous and... That's what I do. Yeah, I know. And as a woman, I like seeing that, you know? A happy, beautiful woman. I don't have quite this... I know that some people like Judy Chicago might find it exploitative, right? Yeah. But I never thought so. It's yeah. kind of like the woman you'd want to be. She just might be sitting on a hippo or something, but like she looks gorgeous. Well, Lita has my hippo, hippo painting. Very much great. But I, do, I doubt I'll do another one. Too hard. Well, I'm impressed that you're still working even through the pain. And yeah, the other 20th, 30th time that person asked me that. Oh. Are you still working? No, I know. I'm just saying I'm impressed you're still working. I knew you were still working. I'm just, if you've had a bad accident. I had a bad accident. So it's, I'm impressed that you're still working through it. It's good to still be busy and still have people who, you know, so actively want your work. Uh, uh, recently, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of commission. I mean, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't, it's for the public. Mm -hmm. And Rochelle gets it all every day. Once an hour, I'm interested in doing this or that. And I tell them to scare, scare, them, scare them away. That's Barbie. They're mm -hmm. them bastards. They called me up and said that, we're fit, that Barbie's having a 50th anniversary for a book. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a couple of days and I, and I made this Darby painting. And then I sent it back to them and they said, oh, it's too difficult to can't do that. What a bum. Mm -hmm. They did it without, thank, without even thanking me. Except every, every once in a while, some guy like Gunther Sachs, you know Gunther Sachs? Mm -hmm. Some guy like Gunther Sachs comes in and spoils everything. He uh, was great. He did four major paintings, I mean. Unfortunately, he wanted, he, he just sells something to do auction. He had cut his good, good kicks out of it. I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to. It's huh? been wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks again for listening to this conversation with Mel Ramos. We have many wonderful conversations coming up in the next few weeks with artists, actors, and fashion and textile designers. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. All episode materials are available at ladyworld.tv and on our newsletter. 